But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Galatians 1, 8. There is one gospel. There is one God who is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Everything else is a false God. Everything else is a false gospel. Today, we will be hearing from Lynn Wilder, who is going to tell us her incredible story out of the Mormon church and into Christianity. You are going to be challenged, informed, encouraged more than anything by the power of the gospel and the courage that God has given her to speak the truth in love. I'm thankful for this conversation, and I know you will be too. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use promo code Allie at checkout. That's GoodRanchers.com, code Allie. Lynn, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, For those who do not know, can you tell us who you are and what you do? My name is Lynn Wilder. I was Mormon for 30 years. In fact, I worked for the Mormon Church at Brigham Young University as a tenured professor. And um, salvation came to my household a few years ago. I left Mormonism, wrote a book, And that book has sold more every year than it did the year before for the last eight or nine years. But God, right? Yes. That's really saying something. As someone who has written a book myself, I know that that is not typical for books. And so you're exactly right. But God. But God definitely was almost a download from the Spirit, something that I just needed to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And then God took it and did his thing. I honestly believe that many Mormons are leaving their faith right now and they're not aware that traditional Christianity actually is a wonderful option for Mm -hmm. them. And so that's what we offer to hundreds of thousands who are leaving the church. Um, And this God is amazing. And yeah. actually, this grace message is for anybody that's in performance-based religion. I have a podcast after the book called The Unveiling Grace Podcast, and we talk about that walk from performance-based faith to grace-based faith. And the book is, as you just mentioned, called Unveiling Grace. I'm sure there are a lot of people listening who have already read the book. My mom was the first person to introduce me to your book and to your content. And that was several years ago now. But there are a lot of people listening who don't know your story at all. There are a lot of Mormons listening right now. So could you take us back to how you became a Mormon? Because you and your husband, you were not raised Mormon. So is that correct? No, I I actually grew up going to a Presbyterian church every week. My husband grew up Baptist. But I could tell you, neither of us opened the word. I couldn't have told you even how someone got saved. It was definitely kind of cultural Christianity Mm. for me. I would say I was a nominal Christian. It's not unusual for nominal Christians, actually, to join Mormonism. That's kind of who the missionaries target. Somebody Mm. who's heard of the Bible, thinks they believe in Jesus, and then Mormonism offers a perfect family, you know, this wonderful community. And uh, 
my husband and I were taken in. We were looking for a church age 24, and we um, marched into Mormonism. It, we were in a while before we learned all of the kind of strange doctrines, but by then we were so connected to the culture and the people. Yeah. They're good folk. So who evangelized to you? How did you hear, first hear about Mormonism? Two Mormon missionaries knocked on our door. One day my husband was home working on his master's thesis, and he wanted a diversion. And um, honestly, I just read Hal Lindsey's book, and I was a little interested in last days, right? Uh, the Mormon missionaries tag said the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is the King James version of last days, right? They said they were last days experts, and... We believe them because we didn't know the Bible. Right. Pew did a study a few years ago about who joins Mormonism and why and where they come from. This study said that 83% of people that join Mormonism come out of nominal Christianity. Hmm. So Mormon missionaries come to the door. Oh, yeah, we believe the Bible, right? And then they add to it the Book of Mormon. And then it goes off in a direction that's not Christian. But if you don't know your Bible, you don't know that. Right. So you got connected in the church. You guys were 24 years old, Mary. Did you have kids at the time? No kids at the time. No, no. kids at the time. And so you started going. And then when did you, you said that you weren't at first introduced to what you described as strange doctrines. Mm -hmm. But then later on you were. So tell us about that. When you first started going to church, did it just kind of seem like, well, this is just another great Christian church. Within a year, we joined the church, the Mormon church in Indiana. At the time, our closest Mormon temple was in Washington, D.C., so we had to get in our car, go 13 hours away to this temple. I had a horrible first experience in the Mormon temple, came out with a terrible migraine headache. Mm. Um, it's very strange to the normal world. You can actually go online and see people who have secretly taped Mormon temple ceremony. But I learned things in the temple that I just hadn't picked up from a normal Mormon ward church service. Things like a man can become a god, that man can possibly be polygamous in the next life, people his own world. Um, you know, become a god of his own world, that there were multiple gods. It's almost like uh, Greek mythology. Yeah. And so a lot and of this times... this is in the Book of Mormon? Some of this is in the Pearl of Great Price. Some of this is in the Book of Mormon. Some of these things I learned in the temple. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so you started to learn these things. Even after your first bad experience, y'all stuck around. You started to learn some of these things, which I'm guessing you did kind of understand this is not the same as traditional Christianity at this point, even though you didn't really know the Bible. And yet I was surrounded by Christians, even in my family, none of whom ever stepped into a conversation with me. Mm. So my own mother eventually started Bible Study Fellowship on the south side of Indianapolis. 800 women wow. came every week. But I had been out of the house and in Mormonism years earlier. My dad was Christian. I had a sister who would have said they were Christian. My mother and my sister would not attend my Mormon baptism, but no one ever told me why. Mm. I always got the sense that they thought we were strange or something wasn't right. But 
honestly, Allie, after I read the Bible and discovered what Jesus himself said about all of this, which was 30 years later, I was a little bit angry with my Christian friends because I realized I had been marching off to a place that wasn't good all Mm -hmm. those years. And people were so afraid of rocking their relationship with me Mm. by stepping into an honest conversation about whether Mormonism was traditional Christianity, Mm -hmm. that they just ignored the topic. And so I will spend the rest of my life talking to anybody who wants to talk to me about what the doctrinal differences are and why it matters. Yes. And before we talk about your exit from the Mormon Church and some of those doctrinal differences, tell us a little bit more about what the Mormon Church is really like and what your experiences were, both for better and for worse, because obviously you had some good experiences there. That's mm-hmm. why you guys stayed. You were attracted to it. I'm guessing you you raised your family and your kids there for several years. Um, so tell us kind of what what you saw in the Mormon Church while you were there, good, bad, and ugly. They immediately took us in as family. So my husband had gotten a job as an instructor at the local university, and one of the professors in his department was Mormon. Immediately, they had us for dinner. It opened a whole new cultural world for us, all these important friends. Um, Mormons take care of each other. They give each other jobs. Um, They'll bring you a car if you need a car. I mean, They, in many ways, are wonderful people. Although I felt I had to do those things in Mormonism, it is performance-based religion. You need to do things in order to please God that he might save you. Wait a minute, does that does that ring a bell with anybody? That's exactly what Islam teaches. Mm. If you do X, Y, and Z and do the five pillars, and then you've done enough good works by the end of your life, Allah might save you, mm. right? Mormonism is just like that. There's no assurance of salvation and so you're just working yourself crazy and so you have these sweet mormon moms with six seven kids trying to homeschool trying to visit people in the hospital and and do a church calling um and be a friend to everybody and it was so exhausting when i hit age 40 i remember just sitting and bawling one day i can't do this another day because you were so exhausted because in your mind you weren't doing these things i'm sure i mean sure you were a loving person but you weren't doing these things necessarily because of an outpouring of grace and love and mercy but because you felt like you had to because your very salvation was on the line if you didn't. Yes. So in Mormonism, there are three different heavens. And in order to get to the highest heaven, you have to go to the Mormon temple. In order to go to a Mormon temple, you have to get a Mormon temple recommend. In order to do that, you have to do this whole host of things like pay tithing and live a health code and have a calling in the church. And um, the the list just goes on and on and on. And um, yeah, it's quite exhausting. 
All right, quick pause from that conversation to tell you about Naturally It's Clean. I love these cleaning products, totally changed the game for me and cleaning our home. And that's because they are safer for our family, but they're also super effective because all the products use these plant-based enzymes. I mean, this is the same stuff that's used in hospitals. It's hospital-grade cleaners but it doesn't reek of nasty chemicals. There are no fragrances. It really is healthier for you, your family, your pets. That's why I love it. I especially love their carpet cleaner, honestly, because I'm really impressed by it. If you've got kids like I do, you know that you're constantly like trying to make sure that the carpet or the rugs don't get ruined. I love this stuff. I love their stain remover spray too, their multi-surface spray, all kinds of good stuff. You can check out my essentials kit if you go to naturallyitsclean.com slash alley. You can see what I love. You'll save 15% when you use my promo code Allie at checkout. Naturally, it's clean.com slash Allie. Use code Allie at checkout. So the three heavens, the celestial and the terrestrial. And then what's the other one? Telestial. Good for you. Okay. Got it. Got it. (laughs) Got it. Okay. Because I recently read an autobiography by someone who was raised in the Mormon church and she was kind of talking a little bit about that. Um, Can you tell us, because we like to talk about theology on this podcast, I know my audience is interested in this. Can you tell us just a little bit about um, Mormon theology and Mormon doctrine, you've already touched on um, on a lot of it, but how would you kind of summarize some of the teachings? Like, do they rely on the Book of Mormon or the Pearl of Great Price more? I've heard from a lot of Mormons that they say they rely mostly on the Bible and that it is uh, that the Book of Mormon and that all of the Mormon books align perfectly with the Bible, that there's no contradictions at all. Um I obviously <laughs> don't believe that, but but tell us just kind of what do Mormons believe? Who is Joseph Smith? All of this stuff. There are 13 articles of faith, and it's Mormon scripture. And one of them, you just alluded to, says, um, we believe the Bible to be the word of God as far as it's translated correctly. Mm. But we believe the Book of Mormon to be the Word of God, no qualifier. Mm. So as a Mormon, I believed that the Book of Mormon had come directly from Jesus to Joseph Smith. There's also a Doctrine and Covenants, which is um, supposedly revelations to the Mormon prophets. Mormons have a prophet at the head. A prophet, he has two counselors, they have 12 apostles. So you have 15 men at the top of the church considered prophets, seers, and revelators. There's a whole priesthood hierarchy, a priesthood system in the Mormon church. Those people determine scripture, they determine doctrine, because the God that the Mormons follow is a God that changes. So the God of the Bible says over and over, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But the God of the Mormons changes, and they like that about him. He updates with the times. Mm. So some examples are Mormons lived polygamy, right? Then they weren't, Utah wasn't allowed to be a state unless they stopped living polygamy. The U.S. government... Ulysses S. Grant, when he was president, actually marched the army out to Utah and said, you know, you will stop 
practicing polygamy. It's against the law in the United States or will take your church assets away. So the prophet had a revelation. We're not practicing polygamy anymore. Hmm. But then you had all these Mormon families in the 1880s. Yeah. Mitt Romney's family was one of them who were polygamous. And they either had to run then to Canada or Mexico where it wasn't against the law or they had to go underground. So you have maybe as many as 100,000 polygamists living underground in the Intermountain West, just in the United States. But those polygamy colonies still exist. Yes. And they're I from saw a documentary Mormonists. about them. It was called like Fundamentalist LDS. And they were still like, as of recently, they live as if they are kind of in the 19th century still, and they have lots of young wives. Some of them, or some look like you and me, are, are very mm. contemporary. Mm. Um, sister wives, oh, or yeah. Corey and all his wives. I forget yeah. the name of that one. Right. But yeah, it's very real, and it exists out west, particularly in Utah. But I'm saying that to to give you an example of how the God of Mormonism changes. Right. That was doctrine once, then it became overnight not doctrine. Same thing with blacks and the priesthood. Blacks were not allowed to hold the priesthood until 1978. They couldn't go to the Mormon temple, which meant they couldn't live with a heavenly father in the next life. So these three heavens in Mormonism, the upper ones for heavenly father, the middle ones for Jesus, and the bottom one's the Holy Ghost. But if you want to live with God the Father, you have to do all these works and work your way up to the top one. Not at all the God of the Bible. So I love your episode 416 because you addressed who God is according to the Bible and who God is according to the Mormon Church. According to the New Testament, you have an issue if you have a different God. You can't. <laughs> the other thing, so just to stick to the basics when you ask me about differences, is if you've got a different God and he teaches a different gospel, mm -hmm. then that is not the same gospel. You can't tell me as right. a Mormon that what you believe is the same as what I believe as a Christian. But when I was Mormon, I would have said, oh, yeah, Mormonism lines up with the Bible. Oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, I believe, at least in recent years, uh, right. Mormons say they're Christians. We yeah. didn't for many, many years. This yeah. is fairly new, the last 15 years yeah. or so. And I do want to talk more about that. One thing that I will say, just if people are considering, you're talking about um, how Mormons changed their doctrine or said that God changed, mm -hmm. and they've kind of done the same thing recently with same-sex marriage. Yes, they yes. They recently came out was getting there, in support yes. of the Respect for Marriage Act, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but I think some people might think, well, the Christian church has done the same thing. The Christian church, a large portion of the Christian church used to be pro-slavery or pro-segregation or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And but I would say the difference is, is that Christians did not change um, biblical doctrine. They did not say that God changed, but they realized that actually in being pro-slavery or being pro-whatever degeneracy and immorality they were, that those who professed to be Christians and aligned with those things were in the wrong. It wasn't that God had changed. It was that there were Christians who were in sin and who were not in alignment with the Bible, which has stayed consistent throughout the ages. So there is a difference there. 
We believe that Christians should change in conforming to God and not the culture, whereas Mormonism says, well, actually God has changed as the culture has changed. So that would be the the difference, right? So as a Mormon, I would have called the Bible a dead word Mm. and the living prophet a living word. Mm. So the living word that came to my living prophet that I followed would be more contemporary, more updated than the dead word. Does that make sense? So that's another huge difference between Mormonism and Christianity. As a Christian now, I have a huge God. He's been God from beginning. He'll always be God. He knew me before I was born. He purposed every day of my life before he called me to himself. And he's able to keep his word together. And he knows what the truth is from the beginning. He created it all, right? And it's all in the Bible. And one of the things I realized when I left Mormonism, because we were taught as Mormons that the Bible was sometimes corrupt, sometimes not translated, Correctly. So how could I say I believe the Bible if I don't know when it's telling me the truth and it's not telling me the truth? So I always went to the Book of Mormon for the truth because I believe that came directly from Jesus, right? So so yes, they really don't believe the Bible is 100% the Word of God. But what I realized was God is so big. He can easily keep every word of his word together down through the ages. I heard a pastor say one time the Bible says it's the word of God 3,800 times. Do you think he's trying to tell us something? Right. What kind of God lets somebody corrupt his word? Right. The God I follow now is well able to keep his word together. In fact, the evidence, both scientific, historical, manuscript evidence, prophecy evidence that just goes on and on for the Bible is so overwhelming. It's still the biggest seller and always has been, right? right. Um, it draws people to itself. It has a, it has a power. It has a truth. Uh, The Spirit of God lives in the Word of God. Changing the Word of God is a big problem for me. Okay, you guys know I love Adele Natural Cosmetics. I share about them all the time because I use them all the time. I'm wearing their foundation right now. I love their lipstick, especially their Times Square lipstick. That's like my signature color. I love Adele Natural Cosmetics, not only their makeup, but also their skincare. Use it every morning, every night. That stuff is high quality. Best part about it, in my opinion, though, it's a family-run business, totally toxin-free ingredients. They are committed to maintaining that integrity all Also, they are pro-life, they are Christians, they share our values. So switch your entire skincare routine to Adele Natural Cosmetics. You will not regret it. Go to AdeleNaturalCosmetics.com. Use code Allie at checkout. You'll save 25% on your order, on your first order. AdeleNaturalCosmetics.com. Use code Allie for 25% off your first order. AdeleNaturalCosmetics.com. Code Allie. And before we go into some of the other doctrinal differences and kind of this movement towards saying, oh, we're Christians, I want to go back to your story. You mentioned how when you were 40 years old, so you had been in the Mormon church a little over 15 years, I guess, Mm -hmm. at this point, you had your children and you kind of had a breakdown because you were so overwhelmed with the 
performative nature of your religion and just trying to be everything for everyone, hoping that one day you will make it to the highest kingdom, right? But you didn't leave the Mormon church then, correct? Was that the beginning, though? I didn't, but, you know, I don't know that I've ever told this story publicly, but I'm going to go there Let's go there. About that time, I had an interesting experience. I went to bed one night, and and someone called my name. It sounded like at 2 a.m., and I sat bolt upright. Well, I couldn't go back to sleep the whole rest of the night. I did not know the story of Eli and the... (laughs) In the mm. Old Testament, where God literally calls him, right? Um, I didn't know God could interact with you. In Mormonism, my prayers were very stilted. You have a very formal way, King James, that, and a pattern that you have to pray. The next night, the same thing happened. And the next night, and the next night. Now I've got four kids, a part-time job. I'm a Relief Society president, which is, there's kind of like a male pastor, and then there's a woman over, you know, the women in the ward. I'm exhausted. I'm working for the church 20 hours a week, volunteer besides everything else that's going on, and taking care of elderly in-laws. God wakes me up over and over, and after two weeks of hearing my name in the middle of the night, not being able to go back to sleep. I remember going to my knees and just kind of in anger saying, uh, look, if you have something to tell me, just tell me, because I can't stay up another night, right? And um, I got the impression that I needed to go back to school. Now, I, I had gotten a master's degree mm-hmm. before I had my kids. Mm-hmm. And the Mormon prophet had just done a fireside called Come Home from Your Typewriters, which, of course, we didn't do typewriters in the early 90s. But the point was women are not supposed to work Mm -hmm. and they're supposed to stay home and have lots of kids and work for the Mormon church. That was the pattern. Prophet had just said that, and I'm thinking I'm having some strange spiritual experience that's saying the exact opposite. Because if I go back to school, I'm going to have to get a doctorate. Going back to your typewriter. (laughs) I'm going back to my typewriter, right? I think this is when the Holy Spirit began to, to work with me. It was kind of time. But after I got my doctorate in 99... I went to work for the Mormon church. Mm. I got hired at Brigham Young University. Now, Brigham Young is a wonderful school. It's a level two research university, 36,000 students, but it's owned by the Mormon church. And you don't work there if you're a Mormon, unless you have a temple recommend and your Mormon testimony is vetted by someone high up in the Mormon church. But then once you get a coveted position like that, there was lots of money, lots of support. They sent me worldwide. I ended up as a journal editor, international journal editor, had lots of publications. Um, I love in your book where you talk about self-promotion and um, all of that. Everything revolves around self. 
that's the way it is in performance-based religion, because you're constantly trying to measure yourself against other people and what they're doing and making sure that you're ticking off all the boxes and that you're um, doing things for God that he might be pleased with, right? That you might be saved in the end. So um, I just got more and more exhausted doing those kind of things. But oddly, Brigham Young was in trouble with their accrediting agency um, for not teaching diversity. And my and this background, back in the 90s? this was about 2000. Okay. And my, I was a new professor, and my background was that I'd worked in the inner city, I'd worked with juvenile delinquents, lots of different cultures, et cetera, homeless. Um, and so I get slotted to teach multiculturalism. My boss apologizes to me. Mm. We don't really you know, like this topic. You're not allowed to say social justice, but um, we have to do this in order to keep accreditation. So I began teaching multiculturalism at BYU and my very first multicultural class. My students, I'm talking to them about all these wonderful different cultures. And they're like, no, but if you have dark skin, you're less than other cultures. The students in 2000 my BYU, were saying that. Yes. And do you, you believe that that's what, because the doctrine had said that in the Mormon church for a period of time. It still says it in the Book of Mormon. I was unaware that my own LDS scriptures say 26 or 27 times that dark skin is a curse, and they still say that. Wow. I was blown away. That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. It's not true, right? And how am I going to teach multiculturalism to students who are reading the Book of Mormon right. and believing that? Certainly, it's something God used to begin to open my eyes. Wow, that is really interesting, because obviously, I mean, I've got my own problems with social justice and how right. ineffective it is and how backwards I think that it is. And yet God used kind of the introduction in that subject to show you, okay, what is true is incongruent with what the scriptures in Mormonism is teaching. That's really interesting. So that was another, that was another moment yeah. for you of kind of, hmm, all right, this isn't maybe what I thought it was. Exactly. But here's the funny thing. My students told me it was in the Bible. And I remember saying out loud in class, that stupid Bible. Wow. I had no idea. It's not in the Bible, friends. It does not say in the Bible that dark is less than white. So sometimes when Mormons say in the Bible, do they really just mean in Mormon scriptures in general? I'm sure they just don't know scripture much. So here, here was my conundrum in Mormonism. Because your God changes, even the scriptures in Mormonism changed. So what Joseph Smith wrote in the Book of Mormon, which was his earliest writings, right, was then often contradicted in the Doctrine and Covenants, which are supposedly revelations to the Mormon prophet. So you have Mormon scripture that's on one side, and then it's on the exact opposite side. I can give you probably 11 examples of those. Um, 
so I never could use my brain in faith, although I had this researcher brain, this logical brain, I was taught to use only emotions in determining truth, right? Because if Mormon scripture is all over the map, think though how convenient that is for a false faith to have a scripture on this side and a scripture on this side, then you can pull out for the outside world whichever one you want them to think you think, right? Scriptures aren't really that important to you, though, if you're looking to a living prophet anyway for your answers. Right. So tell us a little bit more then about your journey a few years after. It was just a few years after this, in 2000, after you started teaching this, that you realized Mormonism is not true. Mormonism is not Christianity. So tell us about that, the unveiling grace. I am embarrassed to tell you that although I hated polygamy, and it's in Mormon scripture still, that I hated the racism when I discovered it, that I did not want my husband to become a god and have multiple wives in the next life, that I was so comfortable in this life and with these people. They're good people. Um, and it was very part, it was your job. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, right, it was my job. I was making good money. I was traveling around the world. I guess it just didn't matter that much to me, right? Life was good. Our first son went on a Mormon mission to Russia. Our second son on a Mormon mission to Denmark. The third son was headed to Mexico City. God did an odd thing in his life. His lung collapsed in the missionary training center. And so he couldn't go to a place where the medical um, help wasn't really good. So they sent him to Florida, the happiest place on earth. He got sent to Orlando, Florida, where as a Mormon missionary who's bumping up against evangelicals, decided he Those darn evangelicals. (laughs) (laughs) No, decided he better know his Bible better, right? Because he hadn't really trusted it and didn't read it much like the rest of us. He, He said, I think he said he'd never read the New Testament from one end to the other. He encounters a Christian pastor. This was about 2005, 2004 or 5. Challenges him to read the Bible. Says, you don't have to believe a word I say. Just open the New Testament and see what Jesus has to say, right? So for the two years of his Mormon mission, and he was a leader in his Mormon mission, he's reading the New Testament over and over and over, thinking he can prove Mormonism to evangelicals. And what happens? Three weeks before the end of his Mormon mission, he goes to his knees, gives his life to the Jesus of the Bible, realizing this is a very different gospel and a different God. And... um, that crazy God, he gets up, Micah gets up from his knees and he said, I had asked the Lord, you've so profoundly changed me. How do you want me to come forth about what you've done in my life? And he said the phone rang and it was his leader of the Mormon mission, leader over about 100 missionaries says, Micah, you're about to go home from your mission. We'd like you to stand in front of a your missionary peers and bear testimony of what you've learned over the last two years. Well, what he'd learned was that Mormonism was not true, that Jesus was 
enough, he had the courage to profess that. He got in a bit of trouble with one shirt. So, but that rocked my world. Mm -hmm. That finally rocked my world. Were you disappointed when he called and he told you this? I knew something profound had happened to a kid who'd gone out so zealous for Mormonism to actually stand up against the Mormon church. Something profound happened to this kid as his mom. I wanted to know what it was, right? So they they sent him home early. The Mormon church tried to excommunicate him. Mike and I could not figure out why he was in trouble. They kept saying, he's preaching saved by grace. It's like, don't we believe saved by grace? You keep telling us we believe the same as the Christians. Why is he in trouble for professing he's saved by grace? Well, the other part of that was Jesus was enough. He didn't need the Mormon church for salvation. He didn't need the Mormon temple, right? He didn't need the Mormon prophet and those kind of things. In Mormonism, there are five parts of a Mormon testimony. Jesus is only one of them. So if you jettison Joseph Smith, you jettison the Book of Mormon, you're in trouble with the Mormon church. And that's what he had done. But we put him on a plane to get him out of Utah until we could figure out what was going on so they wouldn't excommunicate him. And he begged me, he begged me at the airport, Mom and Dad, please just read the New Testament. Open it, read it with no preconceived notions, and just see what Jesus has to say. Allie, the very first verse I read was in the beginning was the word Mm -hmm. I think that's Jesus and the word was with God and the word was God and I went Jesus wasn't God from the beginning he was a man he earned his godhood right there right there these plain truths are all over the Bible. And the Bible's consistent. It doesn't have scriptures that are on one side and on the other side, like Mormonism. I laughed. We call that in statistics internal consistency, right? I'm reading the Bible and saying the same thing over and over. It's the same message, and it's very clear. It's like the 30 thousand archaeological digs for the old testament alone not one for the book of mormon wait isn't god trying to show you right that this bible is reliable it's the word of god and it can be trusted and i read things like god doesn't live in temples made by human hands Mormon Church has 180 temples around the world. I was taught that God's spirit lived in that temple and that I needed to go to the celestial room of a Mormon temple in order to be closer to God there than any place on the earth. I didn't know that salvation could come to your household. The Holy Spirit could enter you, never leave you, and that you were now the temple of the Holy God, that you were living stones. A very different gospel. Now, here's what I've learned over the years. Poor Paul He'd go a place, he'd preach the gospel of grace. Jesus did it all for you. All you have to do is accept him as Lord and Savior, right? Repent and accept him as Lord and Savior. 
And someone would come right behind him and teach performance-based religion. Yeah. No, you have to be circumcised. You have to do X, Y, and Z. And yeah. Pulse 13 epistles are all about setting up churches and someone coming behind him with the false gospel. And then he has to go back to that area yeah. and say, no, remember the gospel I brought. If I come back and I look like an angel and I bring you another gospel, throw me out. Yeah. Right. This is the gospel. This is not the gospel. That's what the whole New Testament is about. The gospel does not change. Yes. And if it does change, you don't have the same God mm-hmm. and you don't have the same gospel it's not the same message and it does matter the way to salvation yeah okay your kids are about to be out for christmas break and you don't want to be hearing from them that they're bored because they got all this new stuff for christmas and they're already telling you they have nothing to do so you need to keep them occupied with a healthy way for them to spend their time and that is by crafting through annie's kit clubs they've got awesome crafts for the whole family, but particularly your kids ages about seven to 13. It's a craft subscription service. So every month they'll send a new craft for girls and boys. It's got all the materials, all the instructions right in the box. You don't have to run to the craft store and they can build these things autonomously. Check it out by going to andyskitclubs.com slash Allie. You can cancel at any time. There's no long-term contracts or anything like that, but I know you're going to love it. You'll save 75% on on your first month when you go to annieskitclubs.com slash Allie, annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. I, whenever I've had conversations with Mormons who follow me, um, a lot of Mormons are very conservative and they vote Republican. And so that is, and I want to talk a little bit more about that in a second, but so a lot of them are part of this audience, or maybe were a part of this audience before I started talking about the differences in Mormonism and Christianity. But just within my inbox, one thing that I bring them to, really the only thing that I bring them to, or I have the opportunity to, because the conversation typically stops, is John 1. That's, Mm. I mean, there are a lot of differences between Christianity and Mormonism, but that's what I take them to. Look, in the beginning, the word was God, and the word was among us. We know that that is Jesus Christ all in John 1, and that's not what Mormonism teaches. Mormonism teaches, as you said, and as you know, that Jesus was man, that he earned himself to God. Because what I hear from Mormons who want so badly to be considered Christians, just another denomination of Christianity, Mm -hmm. they will say we need to shelve the differences, put on the shelf the differences between what I believe and what Mormons believe. They will say, we're Christians because we love Jesus. We believe he died on the cross for our sins. We believe that he offers salvation. And I've even heard some believe, well, we believe in grace. We believe in Mm -hmm. love. We believe Mm in Mm -hmm. faith. You know, all of the other things, sure, there are differences, but there are lots of differences in denominations. That's what I hear. And I also hear from them, do not call us Mormons. Only call us Mm Latter-day Saints. And then often if I get into a conversation where the other person gets extremely volatile and defensive, they will then say what I think is believed probably across the board among LDS people, they will say, well, we are the real Christians, not you. We are the Latter-day Saints, not you. And that's when, to me, it's like, okay, I got it. That's that's what you actually believe, that it's actually me who is either the inferior Christian or not a real Christian, and that even though LDS people will say that they're Christians, really, at the end of the day, they think that they are the real deal, have the real truth and the real stuff, and that you and I are the ones who are lacking. 
And it goes back to those three heavens. So Mormons can go to the higher heaven and be with God the Father. And of course, they believe they're three separate gods, right? Mm. It's, not, it's not a Trinitarian God. No. But so the middle one's Jesus. Mm -hmm. So Christians go there. Mm -hmm. They'll say, Mormons who drink beer and Christians go to the middle one. Billy Graham, he'd be in the middle one, oh, okay. right? It's basically universal salvation, and everyone else goes to the bottom kingdom, even Hitler. They'll tell you even Hitler's in the bottom kingdom. The only people that go to hell in Mormonism would be Satan, his minions, and those like me who, who are apostates mm. from the Mormon church. Now imagine wow. how that fear, again, performance-based religion. If you have to do, 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 you have to stay within a certain box or you're going to be outcast. Yeah. So this is what I dealt with, right? When salvation came to me the day in October of 2006, I went face down and gave my life to this amazing Jesus of the Bible. I knew I wouldn't be allowed to stay at BYU. So they can say they're Christians too, but if you get saved to grace alone, you can't stay at BYU. They have an honor code. You have to honor the Mormon church. You're, you have to be working, you know, your way to the top. Some, so we joined Mike and I in 1977. As Mormons, we would never have been called Christians. That was, we were graders as Mormons, you were lessers as mm. Christians. And this is how I would have explained it when I was Mormon. Christians only have the Bible and it's not reliable. But I had the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price, and the Doctrine and Covenants on top of that that came directly from Jesus, and they were 100% reliable. So yes, you were lessers, we were greaters. So no, we never called ourselves Christians. That would have been a type of downgrade, mm -hmm. although that is their mission field, right? It's nominal Christians. In recent years, though, it's only been maybe 15 years, maybe a little more, that Mormons are beginning to say, I'm a Christian, mm -hmm. too. Um, my suspicion, and this is only personal for me, is that, and I was a Mormon when this began, I think they were trying to promote a Mormon to run um, for office, and if they're running in like the Republican Party, yeah. right. So particularly Romney in 2012, they realized that if Christians thought that Romney was not in the body of Christ, that they might not vote for him. And so why does that matter? When I was Mormon, it mattered that we got a Mormon president why? Because Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, had a prophecy that I was well aware of in Mormonism called the White Horse Prophecy. The White Horse Prophecy says that there will come a day when the U.S. Constitution will hang by a thread 
And a Mormon elder will ride in as on a white horse and save the United States of America. So this is what I believed as a Mormon. I'm not saying every Mormon believes this, but this was what I believed as a Mormon, that I needed, there needed to be the most powerful man on the earth needed to be LDS, so that he could then set up the world politically for the LDS so that Jesus, the Jesus of the LDS, could return to rule and reign the earth politically. Certainly those are not things that as a Mormon I would have talked about publicly. But there is a huge push right now for Mormons to say they're Christian. My guess is maybe a Mormon will resurface at some point and try to run for the highest political office of the land. So here's what some of this confusion has done, though, in recent years. And now that I'm in Christian ministry, ex-Mormon Christians United for Jesus, I get a lot of phone calls from Christian organizations that'll say things like, I do homeschool, Christian homeschool. All of these Mormon families are all of a sudden joining our Christian homeschool, believing they're Christian too, but then they want to be leaders. And then they want to tell people their kids have to be baptized at eight because for Mormonism, the age of eight is the age of accountability, right? Where your sins matter, so you have to be baptized. I'm really confused. I don't know if they're Christians too. Are they not Christians too? Should I let them run my organization? So I've had a lot of these kind of phone calls lately. So Mormon kids will be going to Christian preschools. They'll be going to Christian even high schools and stuff. The other kind of, I got a phone call a couple of months ago from a Christian publisher who does homeschool materials. He was quite frustrated because a lot of the people that used to buy his Christian homeschool materials are now buying Mormon Christian homeschool oh, materials. So the oh Mormon gosh. church has stepped into Christian homeschool curriculum. And because there's so much money behind it, and often you can't trace it directly to the Mormon church, but they will go to one of their wealthy and people and say, would you please donate to this cause so that we can step into this yeah. place? So there are now um, Christian curriculum being taught in Christian schools that are done by Mormon companies, right? Yeah. And the, and the Christians just don't discern that it's Mormonism couched in Christian language. So that takes us to another place, which is the chosen. Ooh, go there. So Dallas Jenkins has publicly said that Mormons follow the same Jesus as the Christians. So you have a Christian filmmaker that Christians look to as a kind of cultural Christian icon. In fact, I noticed recently that both Tim Tebow and Nick Yikovic are also financially, um, they're in advertisements that are asking Christians to donate to angel.com. Okay, it's a company that's owned by Mormons. (laughs) It was originally started by two Mormon brothers, the Harmon brothers, who have a grocery store in, in out west. 
So what you've got is now Mormons stepping into home school curriculum, stepping into um, Christian school curriculum, uh, stepping into Christian film. Mm -hmm. Many things on the Hallmark Channel are very LDS. It's, and only someone who's been on both sides Can kind of has notice. the discernment, yeah. right? On the on the chosen because I have seen that controversy. It's not a series I've watched myself. I know a lot of people have, and a lot of people love it. There was a controversy in one of the episodes where it seemed like uh, Jesus, I believe, was uh, paraphrasing a Mormon prophecy, and I believe it was Dallas Jenkins who kind of came out with the statement and said. Uh, that's not true, or that's not what we were trying to do. But I did notice, like, in his defense, he didn't. I, I, I didn't see where he said that they worship the same Jesus, but I did notice that he did not clearly distinguish between Christianity and Mormonism. So I just, I thought that that was interesting. It is. So during the 2012 election, John Ankerberg, who, who's a Christian apologist and has a TV show, had my husband and myself and Sandra Tanner do a six-week series on Mormonism. Romney was running at the time, and he got so much backlash from his Christian donors that they made him take it off the air. Um, Franklin Graham was a strong promoter of Romney, right? And he took off of his website during the election that Mormonism was a cult. And then when Romney did wow, not I win, did not know that. he put it back up in January. So in my place in ministry, this is what I deal with, wow. right? You have Christians who are afraid to step into conversations where... Um, where the lines are definitive because yeah. they don't want to offend. Yeah. So you have people like Joel Osteen saying, "Ah, oh, they they say they follow Jesus." You yeah. Know, well, but doesn't somebody need to look at whether that's the same Jesus that you're right. following? Their Jesus is very different. He literally is a brother of Satan. <laughs> yeah. Mormons yeah. believe that Jesus was the brother of Satan and yes. became God. Yes. Um. One thing that I've heard before, and this kind of goes maybe back to the white horse prophecy about Mormon and Mormon needing to be the most powerful man in the world, um, is that America is kind of the center of what they would call biblical prophecy, whereas in Christianity, like we don't see in scripture some special specific place for America in the end ages. But from what I've heard in Mormonism, there is, as mm -hmm. you said, the constitution is a part of that. The presidency is a part of that. And so is that part of why for so long Mormons have been seen as kind of a conservative stronghold? They, t they have typically voted Republican because I also think that is one reason why it's so difficult for Christian conservatives, for Christians who vote Republican to say anything about the differences because, well, they're con not just are they kind and do they have a lot of the same values that we do? They take care of each other. We like that as conservatives, mm -hmm. but also they're really big 
voting block. They mm-hmm. are, you know, even more so than some people who profess to be Christians, very conservative on a lot of issues. I think that is probably why there's some like, ooh, I don't want to upset that. I don't want to rock the boat. So I guess my question is like, why is America and the Constitution and conservatism so much a part of Mormonism? Their um, last day's ideas are a little different than what the Bible says. They would say that the Bible came out of Jerusalem, but that the Book of Mormon came out of the Americas, right? Right. And so the one true church is actually centered here in the United Mm. States of America. They also say that um, the Garden of Eden was in Missouri. Oh, Near Independence, Missouri. Okay. So what I believed as a Mormon, we actually had like uh, 72-hour backpacks that we kept at our house in case Jesus called and you had to go to Missouri immediately. So Mormons are big preppers and they're big food storage people. And part of the reason is supposedly Jesus will return to Missouri to the Mormon priesthood before he shows himself to the world. And I I literally believe that. Missouri, of all places. Yes. Interesting. Not to Utah. No, not to Utah, though we called Utah Zion. We would have called Salt Lake Zion. Okay, so I told you how you can clean your countertops and your carpets and all that good stuff, but what about cleaning your air? You want to make sure that the air that you're breathing is pure, that it's healthy, that you get rid of all those odors that you don't like, the viruses, the bacteria, and that's why you need an air purifier from Eden Pure. I've got the Thunderstorm air purifier. You plug it right into your wall. It doesn't make much sound. It doesn't take up any floor space. You don't even notice it, but I feel good about the air that I'm breathing because of how hard this little guy works. Plus, you can travel with it. That's what I like to do. I accidentally left one in an Atlanta hotel, which makes me really sad because I love these guys. Plus, if you go to EdenPureDeals.com and use code Allie, you can save $200 on a three pack. That's a really good deal. $200 on a three pack. If you're watching on YouTube, it doesn't look like that at all. I don't know why we don't have a picture of what I'm talking about, but go to EdenPureDeals.com, use discount code Allie to save $200. $200 on a three pack. EdenPureDeals.com, code Allie. Shipping is free. So one thing that I that we talked about before the camera started rolling that I know a lot of people are going to relate to is that is influencer culture. Like you talked about how Mormonism is infiltrating curriculum in a lot of different ways, uh, the charity world, Christian media, and I'm sure there are a lot of other avenues where it's happening that we maybe don't even know. Healthcare sharing ministries, Christian healthcare sharing. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. So it's also happening on Instagram and TikTok. I don't have Mm -hmm, TikTok, mm -hmm. but there was this whole controversy, I think, a year ago where it was discovered that a lot of these TikToking influencing moms, beautiful, put together, conservative, have a ton of kids, preppers, which again, Mm -hmm. conservative Christians like a lot of this stuff too. Mm -hmm. They never actually revealed that they were Mormons, but come to find out they were Mormons. Some of them were actually living in polygamous relationships and it turned into a kind of scandal. But I've also noticed that on Instagram, there are moms that I follow because they're good follows for a lot of practical reasons. You know, they've got motherhood advice or different things. And then I'll notice they'll say something and I'll say, huh, 
well, that doesn't sound right. This person is a conservative Christian and she just said that? That's that's not correct or that's not biblical. But and sometimes you can say, oh, well, that's because they're progressive or that's because. That. But mm-hmm. it was always something a little strange or just a little bit off. And then I'll see a post. Oh, they're sending their sons on mission or they posted a link to the LDS church mm-hmm. or they have a, a leader from the LDS church coming to their hospital room or whatever, whatever it is. And then it kind of starts clicking. And so what I fear is for a lot of women my age who were so desperate, understandably so, I think, for like-minded people, for, for mm-hmm. camaraderie, to be to link arms with people who are like us because we do look at the evil of the world and we're like, we don't want nothing to do with that. So people with family values that say that they love Jesus, it's really easy to just say they're one of us. And so I've just noticed how insidious it is and how careful they are, these Mormon influencers are, in curating their image and their feed to look a lot like Christians until they kind of introduce you to, well, we're LDS. We're also Christian, but we're LDS. And that that worries me. And some of those influencers, when they have messaged me, I mean, the fire of of hatred that comes and the anger and the vitriol that comes from these like seemingly happy and joyful and loving moms that is directed at me and my private messages when I say something about the difference between Mormonism and Christianity. Mm -hmm. Wow. Welcome to my world. Oh, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. So I don't know if you just have any like commentary on that, but that is one part of all of this that worries me. So uh, as a Mormon, I did something called milk before meat, which means I'm not going to admit to you that I believe something that you're going to think is silly or you're going to think isn't biblical. So I'm certainly not going to see somebody came after I think it was Huckabee at one point said something about what Romney believed. And he was so indignant. He said, That's exactly what he believes in Mormonism. But he said to the outside world, I will not even dignify that by answering. Uh, Romney said that? Right, a question like that. So definitely he deflected. So that would be a typical Mormon technique. I'm not going to tell you I believe my husband can become a god. You're going to laugh at that. That's going to sound absolutely silly, right? So I'm going to offer you things that you do like like the conservatism and the mother advice, Mm -hmm. so that then you're coming my direction, and then you might be open to listening to some of the stranger things down the road. But that's a very deliberate thing called milk before meat. In the 90s, Mormon- And Christianity has that too, but in a different way. In a different way. I mean, Paul also talks about spiritual milk, and then you need to be able to grow up and to chew on solid food. I think the difference is, is that Christianity does not keep those complicated messages hidden from you. They are not secret. Yes. Um, We're upfront about them that, yes, this is what Christianity is, and your understanding will grow through sanctification, but we're not going to hide these complicated things from you to kind of trick you into believing what we believe. So that's uh, a difference with a very important distinction. Yeah, I'm not afraid to say anything that Christ would say in the Bible. Again, 
I don't have to own it as mine personally. Right. It comes from the living God. And then each person can make their own decision about what that is. There are many secret things in Mormonism. So all of those, uh, you make six covenants in the Mormon temple. Well, people aren't supposed to know what those are. But the last covenant that I made in the temple over 30 years over and over was that I agreed with all my talents, anything I owned, anything I would own, any money I had, all of that gets dedicated to the building up of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, not to Jesus in particular, but to building up of the church. So the Mormon church is very wealthy. Folks must tithe in order to go to the highest heaven. but And they also own for-profit businesses and non-for-profit businesses, and that money sometimes gets mixed up, right? So the Mormon church owns 2% of land in Florida. They have cattle ranches everywhere. They own lots of conservative radio. Bonneville um, Communications is one of the larger owners of conservative stations. So um, a lot of people are not aware, right, of, of that. My I love to hold hands with other people that politically are on the yeah. same plane that I am. I don't have any problem with right. that. Me too. As a believer, though, the problem I have is if you elevate someone like Mitt Romney, who's following a false Christ, the Mormon missionaries, 60,000 of them go worldwide and knock on a door. Oh, don't you love Romney? These five beautiful sons and it's such a wonderful family. You know, he's Mormon, right? And then you have people being led astray, not just to a false faith, but often Christians led. It says in Matthew 24, who are the false Christs after? They're after the elect, they're after those who would seek Christ, right? But then they send him off the wrong direction. So, so I'm sure Romney would have been a great president, and maybe he still will be someday. I don't think he would make a great president anymore. <laughs> I mean, maybe, thankfully, he's fallen out of favor with the Republican Party because he's grown liberal in a lot of ways. But Well, and that's the Mormon church changing, right? The whole That was a whole nother LGBTQ. Kids can't be baptized in the LGBTQ. Um, yeah. Folks who are huge in Salt Lake, by the way, there's huge population of former Mormons and yes. gay Mormons in, in Salt Lake um, really came against the church. And then the church changes its mind, you know, and so that's what you get with a wishy-washy cultural Jesus, which you can get with any man. Yeah, <laughs> we don't want a man. We want the true and living God. Yeah, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And our obligation as Christians is to conform ourselves to Him and to His Word, mm. and not the other way around. Um, I wish we could talk for two more hours. We'll have to have you back on to talk even further. But um, to close us out, there there are Mormons who are listening to this. There are Mormons who are angry listening to this. There are Mormons who are thinking, hmm, maybe she's. Onto something. There are Christians listening to this who had no idea before this conversation that there was any difference. Mm -hmm. I want you to speak. Just share the gospel, the true gospel that changed your life with everyone who is listening, no matter what stage of confusion or anger they are in. What do you say to them? 
When I opened up the New Testament, read it with a sincere heart, the first thing that happened to me is I was drawn. I knew I was being drawn. There was this like spiritual thing that was happening where I couldn't put it down. I just had this hunger to know wait, who is this God? And and what does he say? And should I care? Should I jettison God altogether? Um, I found out he was consistent. He was compassionate. He was bold. He was kind. He was merciful, but he's also full of justice. It's this wonderful mix of you know, setting the rules and people needing to meet the rules, but knowing that you can't, and then um, just being grateful that he took your whooping for you, and then giving your life to him. I cannot tell you, Allie, how my life changed. For one thing, like I said, I love the part of your book where you're talking about the meology, the me culture, me, 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 me. In Mormonism, it was all about me. I was constantly trying to promote myself professionally and worldwide. And I was promoting myself professionally so that people would be drawn to the Mormon church. That was the bottom line. That's why these TikTokers do what they do. It's all about promoting Mormonism because they believe it's the one true way. But I realize it is not about me. God actually took me through 18 months of my sins and my pride after I got saved until I was so face down empty of myself and just willing to do whatever God does. So here I sit because somebody, Bree, contacted me and said Ellie wanted to talk to me. And I went, God is in this. I will pick up and go and talk to Allie, right? I'm not the author of my life anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm not the master of my soul. Mm -hmm. This wonderful God that I can trust who saved me? Thank God. I I went face down at 54 and I cried and cried and cried. Why didn't anybody tell me I'm 54 years old that I needed a savior, right? The difference with works now in Mormonism, I was constantly doing works to try to please him. Now the Holy Spirit lives in me, and he brings the works. I don't have to take off boxes. I just pay attention to the girl in line at the grocery store, because God probably put them behind me for a reason. It's a very purposeful life to know the Lord, to know that he loves you, that he called you for a purpose. So obviously, the purpose he called me for was to tell my story from performance-based faith to grace-based faith, and I'll do that any opportunity I have. It was funny going from Brigham Young, where I could pray with my students, to go to a secular university after that Florida that hated Christians, (laughs) right? And to learn to stand for my faith and let people laugh at me. And I'd laugh with them. It was just, it's just fine. I know who I am in Christ and I'm fine with that. And you have no idea how many people are drawn to that, right? You don't have to be fake in any way. Yes. And you talked about just the repudiation of all different kinds of works-based faith. It's not just Mormonism. In fact, every... Um, everything, whether it's mimicking Christianity or whether it's uh, 
something that has nothing to do with Christianity. Every faith besides Christianity, true Christianity, tells you how to climb the hill to get to God. Mm, Here's what you have to do. And Christianity is different in that God got down from his throne off the hill and came down to us and said, there is nothing that you can do to climb this mountain Come on. Um, And he did it for us. Ephesians 2 lays all of this out perfectly, that we were once Mm -hmm. dead in our sin apart from Christ. If you are dead, you cannot help yourself. You cannot earn your salvation. You cannot revive yourself. You can't resuscitate yourself. Someone has to make you alive. Mm -hmm. There's nothing you can do to clean yourself off. off. You can't make a corpse smell good or look good or make it presentable to God. You are dead in your sin. Only Christ makes you alive. Mm -hmm. And that's what Ephesians 2 tells us. By grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, not a result of works. He's so consistent and so repetitive in that. Not a result of works so that no one can boast. And Ephesians 2.10 says that we were created or God saved us for the good works Mm -hmm. that he created beforehand that we should walk in them. So you're talking about those good works in Christianity. Those good works flow from the grace that God has given us. They're not to earn our faith or to earn his approval, but because he has already approved of us because of what Christ did for us, we turn around through love and through grace, do the good works that God gives to us. Mm -hmm. Um, It makes all the difference in the world. The gospel makes all the difference in the world. And I'm just thankful to you for um, how you've used it, how God has used you to bring the gospel of grace to others. And so thank you so much. Um, We've even had Muslim converts, right? So we've had Catholic converts, anybody in a place of performance-based religion who thinks that they have something to offer at the bottom of the cross that makes a difference. (laughs) Look what I did, God. Um, It doesn't. He's done it all. He's wonderful. He's all loving. And when you give your life to him, your life will change profoundly. Yes. Amen. Well, thank you so much. I really encourage everyone to get her book, Unveiling Grace. It's an amazing testimony. And we really could talk for two more hours about all of this. But thank you, Lynn. Everyone can find you in your podcast, the Unveiling Grace podcast, Mm -hmm. correct? Um, And find your book and follow you. You've got lots of resources. So thank you so much. Thank you, Allie. Thank you for what you do. Thank you. All right. I knew you guys were going to enjoy that conversation. She's really incredible. Um, She mentioned Dallas Jenkins. We will have him on the show Monday and we will ask him um, about this. And so that'll be a really interesting conversation as well. The timing just happened to work out really well. All right. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, just as a reminder, next week starts kind of like our holiday break, but we are going to have all new episodes, four new episodes next week. We'll have two new episodes the following week after Christmas. And then after that, the first week of 2023, we will have three new episodes, maybe four, but probably just three. So all new stuff, really amazing interviews and topics and questions answered and all of that good stuff. Uh, You're going to love it. And so Merry Christmas. We'll see you guys back here on Monday.